It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which someday we'll update at, filmsociology.tumblr.com. I'm, yes, I'm hosting and engineering. It's like chewing gum and walking at the same time. I am from Michigan. Uh, but I do have a mystery guest in studio. Ooh, so, Ooh. mystery guest, would you audibly sign in, please? My name is... Joan Heimbrook. Hi, Joan. Hi, Matthew. <laughs> Joan, of course, uh, well, by the time you hear this, is, uh, is has finished her tenure here at WFYI officially, but uh, don't be surprised if you hear Joan on the show a lot. Yes. Quite often. So I'm looking forward to it. We appreciate that. So anyway, but she is a guest because, well, a couple things. Uh, we're going to give you a little inside information here at the uh, the film sociology headquarters. Um, we, we uh, Joan and I have often referred to uh, uh, producer alumni emeritus uh, Kobe Slagle as our radio son. He is. He's our radio son. Because I found out you were kind of being a mother figure to Kobe um, when you first started working here. Yes. And uh, I, I realized that I was already kind of a father figure. And, and of course, people at Sun King thought I was his dad. So <laughs> We make a nice little family. We really we, do. We do make a nice we radio do. family. This is a family show. Well, as I said to Robert Irvine once, it's a semi-family show. <laughs> um, and, my, and, and, of course, our, our real lives – well, my, Mrs. Sosie is very patient. Let's put it that way. Yes, yeah, she is. Okay. So, uh, so, anyway, Joan's hanging out with me because, besides the fact that she's going to be uh, on uh, another uh, cog to the show wheel – but uh, but her guy has a movie that's opening this week. <sighs> Mr. Clooney. <laughs> yes. Mr. Clooney. Yes, apparently I think Joan is our new official George Clooney correspondent here at Film Sociology. Yes, I will report from Italy if possible. I bet you would. I would. Remember, it's not called stalking. It's called very focused affection. Exactly. He's never said anything to me about it. And so. Right. And, of course, as we all know, a restraining order means they're thinking about you. Exactly. All right. So his new film is called Money Monster, which he is a producer on. It reunites him, sort of, with uh, Julia Roberts, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, and a few other actors with accents. Anyway, here's, uh, here's the audio.
anyone who can get out, get out right now. Do not look up, do not make eye contact, just go. Lee, stay calm. I'm right here. We are live in five minutes. You have the revisions for the opening. We're still making some changes. Am I going to get the changes before the show or you after know the, the show? Drill. You just point the camera in my direction, we'll figure it out together. It always sounds so simple and yet so moronic. Here he is, the Wizard of Wall Street himself. The name is Lee Gates. The show is Money Monster. Without risk, there is no reward. Should I sell? Should I unload? Get some balls! Man up! Who's that guy on camera, too? You want to complain about it? Go ahead. Who is it? Anybody know? Was this a union thing? Cut the feed. Whoever's in there, turn the cameras on. Turn the cameras off, Patty. Turn it off, Patty. Turn them on. Put it up. Take it out. Put it on. How do I know it won't blow up? Because I have the detonator. My thumb comes off this trigger, and we all explode. I might be the one with the gun here, but I'm not the real criminal. It's people like these guys. I got my finger on the trigger. I'm telling you, it's rigged. The whole damn thing. But I don't know who to trust. They're stealing everything from us, and they're getting away with it, too. How's that even fair? Just keep talking to him, all right? You're good at that. I got my finger on the trigger. You lost a lot of money when the market tanked. They tracked down his girlfriend. That was everything we had. Every last cent. What are you doing? I'm just trying to survive. I'll get you some answers. Nobody was asking any questions before. These guys could expose everything. We both want an explanation for what went wrong. We don't know. You have to understand how delicate of a situation this I'm is. I'm sitting 80 feet from a bomb girl talking about delicate situations. We're human beings. We're not computers. We have a conscience. I'm trying to save him. You're trying to shoot him. I want an explanation! Follow the money, find the fraud. We're in this together now. Don't turn your back on anybody. I don't want you to die. Oh, my God. No! You came here to get some answers. You deserve to get some answers. By the way, from that trailer, a lot of scenes not used in the, in the final cut. Yes, so, I, I noticed that. Um, and there, and there is one section which I'll get to in a little bit of uh, of a character that it's not quite what you see, what it sees, what it appears to be in the trailer. So, um, Joan, you're you are my guest. Since you are yes. my guest and I am your host, I will say uh, you you begin to because George is your guy. I, I'm going to say George can't do no wrong because well we'll go through his I'm we'll go through exactly. the I pre understand. facts of life era of his career. But <laughs> uh, but no, Joan, Joan, your thoughts on uh, on on Money Monster. You know, as I watched it, one thing that I continued to think was this is not a character we're used to seeing George play, which is one of the things I loved. Um, he's not as likable as he normally is. Yeah, he is the most handsome financial D-bag in television oh, history. Oh, yeah, total D-bag. <laughs> and, 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 of course, Julia Roberts in the, uh, in the producer Hall of Fame. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so he's not as likable as normal. Um, but I still, you know, I love my George. So I, I can separate my George to the George that was on screen. I'm right. very good at that. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fine with that. But I really thought it was a, a great, it, it was a thriller. There was still some, there was some humor in there. Uh, and given the situation of the movie, I thought that was brilliant. That, that was a great um, addition. I thought Julia Roberts was really amazing in it. I thought she was great. She because physically, there's not a lot for her to do. No, it's, it's just to be the to be the voice 
in uh, in George's ear, and of course, it helps that they've worked they've worked together in previous films, and they're they're friends. So yes. there is that sense of comfort, and no costume changes. No, you know, you're no, staying all... in the same place, exactly, uh, which I think can make it tough to do. But I, I think they did a good job. I, I when I when I first saw the trailer, and by the way, nice use of spring. It's a big deal when you get Springsteen music in your film because he doesn't just give it out to anybody. Yes. So shout out Jodie Foster, um, who's the director of this. Um, my first thing was it's the the big short meets Dog Day Afternoon. Yes, or or even actually maybe to a lesser, probably to a much more realistic degree, John Q, mm-hmm. where. Yes. Um, yeah, Clooney, Clooney and Roberts are solid. Uh, Jack O'Connell with his with his funny New York accent plays yes. the guy. Uh, Dominic West is your uh, your we say D bag your D bag CEO oh. of choice, and that's re- by the way really not a shocker. And I forgot that the trailer kind of gives a a major part of that away, which kind of bummed me out a little bit. Yes, I, I thought so too. And and in in the movie as I'm watching. I turned to my friend who was with me, and I said, "He always plays a d bag, always." Yeah. So, so. but the, but the one character, and I think I got it right, was was uh, was played by Emily Mead as Molly, as the 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 girlfriend, the pregnant girlfriend mm-hmm. of uh, Jack O'Connell's character, Kyle. Um, I will say I've seen a lot of hostage films. Now, my the fourteen year old, I think this was her first major one, so she loved it. I of course am old and set in my ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stock material in the hostage film. You have Giancarlo Esposito as the police captain mm-hmm. who's trying to, you know, trying to do everything by the book and, you know, you take the shot and it's not Sandra Lee. Um, <laughs> you know, there, but there are, there are, if you've seen hostage films or as Kobe likes to say, this is a great hostage film if you've never seen a hostage film before in your life. Exactly. <laughs> but it, but it is, it is by the books except for one scene and I, I don't want to give it away, but it is, you hear it a little, but it's the, the girlfriend who was brought in She's she's supposed to bring uh, bring the boyfriend husband the guy who's taken over things down, and it's a really nice scene. Yes. I, I just want to I don't want to spoil that for for what it is. Um, a couple of things I wish I could have seen, um, and especially because it's from Jodie Foster, who she doesn't direct a lot, but what she does is she's very selective. It's very yeah, it's very selective work. But but two things came into mind for me. There there was because I'm a film guy and I'm set in my ways. Um, there's a film that came out last year that I think was my biggest surprise of 2015, and it was a film called Unfriended. Mm-hmm. This was the one that was online in real time as kids were getting picked off one by one. I kind of wish there was more more multimedia use. Yeah. Um, but I again, they're trying to make a studio film, and it's already a low budget film because uh, you know George Clooney and Julia Roberts I know took a cut, and they really wanted to support the film. George is a producer on it. Mm-hmm. Jodie Foster's directing it. Um, so it, it, for for those heavy hitters, it's it's kind of a small budget picture uh, with a message. Um, but I kind of wish there was, and I also wish it was in real time. But I know that can't happen. Right. Um, the other part that I have, it's always been an issue with me, me personally. And it's cinematic treat the cinematic treatment of Stockholm syndrome. Well, I mean, okay. and be- because yeah. because I think cinematic Stockholm syndrome. I mean, Stockholm syndrome is a thing. Right. I know. I've right. studied, yes, I can't wait to hear from psychologists about this. But it always feels like cinema cinematic Stockholm syndrome is just to move the movie along, yes. get the movie cracking along. And and I kept thinking of that while watching this. It is it is it is a really quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. And I know in the trailer, 
um, which you just heard, they have a thing saying two hours two hours earlier. So I haven't really broken down how much time is allotted. I'm, I'm assuming it's at least half a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm that guy. I think too much when I'm working. So. But I did think that during the movie as well, because especially at the end, it kind of hits you that what is the actual time frame of when this started to the end. Especially when there's also the subplot of undercovering of because there's a part of the reason why the situation happens is that this big uh fictional corporation loses like over eight hundred million dollars and they and it's it's originally blamed on a computer glitch. I know folks, stay with us. It's, it's like the episode of South Park and it's gone. Um and, and of course we find out well you you know right away uh, what happened to it. So there's that un- there's the uncovering and gathering of evidence. I'll just say that. So it's not just um will George be free? Right. Um and I know you wanted to be a shield for that. I did. I would have <laughs> gladly shielded George in any way that I Shade could. Perform. You know what we and we were talking earlier cuz cuz um yeah, he does some dancing in this that that there is there is a level of buffoonery that he usually just re- reserves for the Coen brothers when he it, works with them. He could pop and lock. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> he really did. I was a little surprised by his dancing. Sure it was he, better than I would have thought it would I'm sure it he has be. his own training. Yeah, compared to what people on TV really look like when they host shows like that. Yes. Yeah. And most, you know, most adult men look like eighth grade boys when they dance. So he, Which I thought he did quite I well. Am, I'm always leaning up against the wall at social holding, event, holding at, a drink at, at parties. Yeah, yes, with a little nod. Good so, plan. Yeah. So, so it sounds like so overall, it sounds like Joan, you really, really liked it. Um, I thought it was flawed, but I liked the performances. Yes, the, and and I kind of feel that way. I thought the performances were really strong. Um, yeah, there were some flaws along the way, um, but as you said, you know, trying to get. All that that movie encompassed in a two-hour time slot was a little tough. But I think they did it as well as it could be done. Right. And there, there is a little social commentary, especially when everybody is watching it. And, and there, is a, there is kind of a little smack-in-the-head moment at the very, very end with the last mm-hmm. moment of how some things on TV uh, happen. And for a lot of people, it's on TV and it's gone. Yes. So... There was one moment, and I, I don't want to give it away either, but you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a moment where Clooney, and I, I took it personally because, you know, he's my Clooney. <laughs> um, there's a moment where he's pleading for something, and he realizes just how much people don't like him. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was one it's of those actually, where— it's a, it's a well-built sequence. Yes, because he, even he knows he's a D-bag. So, so he just didn't know how much other people knew he was a teabag. We love NPR editing here. So, yes, um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so I think overall, yeah. pretty good. You liked it more than I did, and, and that's all there is to it. So Eye candy. What can I say? <clears throat> Thank you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh you right, too. Right. Yes, oh, you stop. too. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> moving on. Moving on for a little bit. Um, oh, oh, Kobe's alma mater, uh, IU Cinema, is taking the summer off. Uh, just a reminder that next Friday – it's not Hawaiian shirt day. But next Friday at the IMA Museum as a part of their Summer Nights film series. Ooh. 7 o'clock at the IMA Amphitheater. Film begins at dusk. Rebel Without a Cause. Ah. Uh, I love that one. I need to talk to the smarter two-thirds about that <laughs> one. So. Mrs. Sosie, I think you're going to the movies. 
Oh, I have to check. She's also in rehearsal for for Comedy Veras, but anyway, we'll see. But no, I I was very lucky in my lifetime. The old Paramount Theater in Anderson, Indiana, mm-hmm. um, was in the start of its renovation when I was in college at the Ball State University, and I got to see Rebel Without a Cause and Giant oh, on the wow. big screen. So that was really cool. So anyway, that is happening June seventeenth at the IMA. At the Historic Art Craft Theater this weekend. Down in, in my neck of the woods. Down your ne- Are God's, you down there? God's country, yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Not all the way to Franklin, but Oh, okay. Close. Close. Well, I'll say, this, but it, of course, this depends on what time you're listening to the show. Huh? But uh, this weekend, Wizard of Oz. Ah, Sponsored. there you go. There you go. That's a great place to see a movie. We have got, and of course, the sing-along version is at 2 o'clock oh, on Saturday. And good popcorn. Great popcorn. Real actually. butter? I think they do usual butter, but it's Ooh, local corn. Even better. It's from, yeah, it's, it's great. But a corn did not fall on your head. No. no okay. So, <laughs> all right. So that is, that is this weekend at the Art Craft Theater. And, of course, mark your calendars, May 27th and 28th, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, June 10th and 11th, Mildred Pierce. And, uh, yeah, is that it? I think that's it. So. Whenever I think of Mildred Pierce, I always think of the Carol Burnett skit. <laughs> well, for a lot of people, that was their introduction exactly. to a lot of that classic was their inter- movies. Inter- exactly. I, I still remember. Well, of course, everybody knows Gone, the with, Gone the with the Wind. The Gone with the Wind, yes. Uh, and, of course, Sunset Boulevard, with which was a recurring mm-hmm. character. Yes. Uh, but I always remember The Petrified Forest. Oh, yeah. I forgot about with, that uh, one. Yeah, with Steve Lawrence doing uh, everybody. Everybody did Humphrey Bogart in the yes. 1970s, and he was no exception. Yes. Now, um, also at, uh, of note... At Landmarks Keystone Arts Theaters, you should uh, coming soon. Now I haven't got the dates. Uh, I don't think they're official. Official, off the check. But as part of the Midnight Movie series, coming to Keystone Arts, some of the titles include. And and by the way, folks, I was kind of bummed they didn't get the room this year. So oh. we, I know we're bummed out. But but some of the titles include Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh. Which I remember seeing with my dad uh, in the theater in 1982. I, yes, I saw that. I was in high school. That's not possible. It is. Um, you're a greater actress than I thought. Um, <laughs> let's see. The Warriors from 1979, okay. which I got to see in the theater. Akira, for you fans mm-hmm. of um, a sing-along version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <sighs> I did see that at the art. I did see that at the art craft, and did they did really? it very well. Were they dressed? Yes, and the crowd was as well. It was great. I went to see it with my son, Steven. He's Mm -hmm. my movie person, and uh, it was amazing. Your actual son. My actual son, not my my fake son. son, Not my radio son. Um, Labyrinth, good timing on that Mm -hmm. because uh, David Bowie and I do have one thing in common. We've both pretended to stalk Jennifer Connelly. Um, (laughs) This is Spinal Tap. Okay, that's another classic. Roadhouse. Okay. Gotta have a there lot of cocktails because yeah, pain don't that. hurt. And yep. this, this was a, <laughs> I thought this was a nice surprise. Um, and I'm hoping to get a lot of people, and especially Kobe and Bianca, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the George Lazenby Bond film, which is underrated, underappreciated. And, and you got to cut George Lazenby some slack. He was following Connery. It was almost a, yes. a knowing situation. It's a solid film. Uh, in the Bond canon, and it has Diana Rigg. So yes, there. I was going to say, who was the Bond girl in that? But Diana you, Rigg. you, you kind of just kind of know that offered that up so freely. Yes, so. thank you. So, all right, let's. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back after the break, we have uh, an interview I did with David Shank and Bob Epstein of the Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival, which is happening this weekend. And then we have a couple titles on DVD and Blu-ray, and then we have Dead People We Like because we don't have, never have time for Dead People We Don't Like. No, we don't. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WF. FYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. 
Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msoci at WFYI.org. Also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Soci. Hanging out with Joan Heinbrook. Yes, Joan, the, the show ID medley was a little wink and a nod to you. Thank you so much. The Ladies of Food Network, which sounds like a magazine issue that's never happened. It does, or a calendar of some sort. Anyway, moving on. Uh, The Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival is happening right now, so you should go check that out. But uh, here is a chat I had earlier with IJFF's David Shank and Bob Epstein. So, gentlemen, it's, it's fun to have you here because I enjoyed seeing the updated logo of the, uh, the blue star of David with the, with the number three in the center. So it's good to have annual as a part of your event. We kind of like that, too. I mean, particularly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> since it's saying it's the, the third go-around, the third season for the Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival. And we're already working on the fourth. I was, uh, well, we'll get, to, we'll get to the preparing for the fourth, but I was going to say, how, how has it been now compared to when you gentlemen first started organizing this? It's, it's a, somewhat easier in certain respects and more difficult in others. Uh, fundraising is always uh, a difficult thing. We don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I, I know that. And um, <clears throat> the film selection process is easier because we have experience doing it. And um, licensing I can do with my eyes closed because I've, I've been through that. Uh, and so all in all, the learning curve is there, and, and we're able to, to do this fairly easily with a small group. We don't have any professional staff. We have a committee that it gets together to screen films, and and uh, that's how we do this. Okay, so let's let's go back to last year. You you The festival finished, you slept, and you got up and started watching films again? Soon thereafter. <laughs> like a coach? Soon thereafter, <laughs> yes. We took a little bit of a pause, and, and one of the interesting things that's come out of this as we have become more well-known around 
uh, the country and then lead uh, globally. We're getting interest from producers and distributors to say, hey, take a look at our film. And so we're getting those kind of questions coming in besides the, the typical ones that we review on a regular basis. At Los Angeles, um, Israel, uh, Brandeis University has a Center for Jewish Film, uh, New York City, all or everyone wants you to look at their films because now we have somewhat of a reputation. That's good. And, and it's, it's less hunting on your guys' part. Yes, that's true. Uh, one of the caveats to that is that uh, my co-producer, who this was his first year really doing this, didn't realize the great difference in licensing fees. So there were a couple that he liked that we frankly couldn't afford. I mean, the licensing was, was way up there, whereas we try to keep our licensing fees at, at a reasonable amount. But I, also the fact that there are certain films, of course, when you go to a film festival, I think, for me, it's you get a chance to see things that you're not going to see anyplace else. It's not going to open on 3,000 screens. You'll be, you know, if it gets to 30 cities in a year, that's a big deal. And I think it's worth taking that chance. That's true. Uh, and we, we have a couple like that in this, this lineup. We have a couple that have been in national distribution, like Deli Man, uh, but we're doing uh, a food contest with that. Uh, we're also featuring a film that, uh, that we made of uh, Brian Shapiro at his restaurant called Indy's Deli Man, which will condense to about a seven or eight minute uh, DVD, which will show before the actual Deli Man. And then we have four typically Jewish dishes that we're hoping people will bring to enter into a food contest before the film airs. So that's, that's going to be at the Landmark Theater. Well, what's what's great about well, what's fun about this show is and and with your festival, we can we we have plenty of time to go through every single event. So I I want to start with something that's already happened. You guys were already up and running with uh, Broadway musicals, A Jewish Legacy. Um, how did you guys come across this film? And and if if you don't know, if those who don't know about musical theater, um, I mean this is this is prime one hundred and one as far as uh, the the Great White Way. Well, I I discovered it. Um... And it's uh, there's so many of the the people in musical theater going back uh, in time that were Jewish, and the one exception which you probably know, which they make a point of this in the film, was from Indiana. Mm-hmm. That's Cole Porter. Cole Porter. Uh, but other than Cole Porter, so many of them uh, were Jewish. And uh, you take Gershwin as an example. A lot of what he wrote was not necessarily uh, uh, Jewish uh, thematically, uh, so that uh, this makes it quite interesting. Also, someone that indirectly was related to my family was one of the big entrepreneurs in those days. His name was Billy Rose, uh, who is somewhat shown in the film. And for those that don't know who Billy Rose was, uh, his, uh, he was related to Funny Girl. Uh, Fanny Bryce. Bryce. They were married. Not, not Barbara Streisand. Guys. Not Barbara Streisand. Stick with, stick with us. Yes, right, right, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she becomes funny lady. We know, we know. Funny lady, yeah. <laughs> so Billy Rose was um, uh, married. His, excuse me, his sister was married to my uncle. Okay. Way back when. Wow. And so, of course, besides this, uh, I, I think of, I, of course, I think of uh, a big number of the Christmas songs that have been written over the years. White Christmas, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty popular. And at the very least, with uh, with the documentary Broadway musicals, you're going to have wall to wall music that uh, you know musical fans will recognize in one way, shape, or form. Absolutely, it's very, very interesting music. 
So you also, moving on to, uh, which is uh, the Sunday evening event, and you have a special guest coming in. We do. We have, uh, the show is called Mikkel in the Shoes of Sholem Aleichem, who is one of the great storytellers of uh, Jewish uh, literature. And uh, <clears throat> we actually, last year, we were hoping to have Theodore Bikel appear for the showing of Bikel, and unfortunately he passed away. So this year we have Amy Bikel flying in from Los Angeles to present uh, the story of her husband. And it's, again, a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful film. It's a documentary. Uh, again, perhaps the, the most famous role, although not the, by any means the only role that you can associate with Theo was uh, Tevye. In Fiddler on the Roof, he was maybe the third or fourth Tevye. Started with Zero Mostel, but uh, Theo Bikel had a much better voice than than did uh, Zero. I can hear I can hear Zero Mostel from his grave yelling at you. Yeah, he would just dis- <laughs> he might disagree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the fact that she's coming out there for that, and and it, has this one been getting a lot of uh, festival? It, run? It, yes, it's in festivals all over the country. So let's see, it's it's another one coming here to Indy. That's uh, of course Sunday night at the uh, the Hebrew Hasten Hebrew Academy. Haston Hebrew Haston. Academy, and again, uh, just to remind uh, your listenership, uh, the way to get tickets is to go online to uh, the Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival, uh, and they can decide which uh, shows they want to uh, buy tickets for. That's the best way. The Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival Inc. Exactly. And when they go to the online site, uh, they can buy the tickets directly. You don't have to go anyplace else. You click on the movie, it'll take you to the uh, ordering page, and then you can see the whole selection of, of all the films available, make the purchase buy, and you'll be taken care of. And then print out the ticket. That's right. There you go. Now, also, so that's Sunday night. Now, <laughs> and of course, Monday, yes, there are things to do in Indianapolis on Monday night, uh, contrary to, there's plenty out there. You and see, we do that on purpose so we can fill the void. <laughs> Smooth. Look at that. So tell tell us about Fill the Void, which is Monday evening. Fill the Void is um, an Israeli film with uh, subtitles, and it's a kind of a convoluted story of uh, marriage uh, under Orthodox custom, where there was a couple that were engaged, and one uh, the the bride to be died, and her sister was under tradition, was forced to marry uh, the, the groom-to-be. And in the meantime, she has another relationship going. So the question is, how is this all going to work out? So it's, it's an interesting story, and it's, uh, it's, it's World War C. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tuesday evening, and again, beginning of the week, you still go out. Um, and the, the, you, most, the most controversial film, uh, it's the story of Hannah Arendt, um, she worked for the New Yorker way back when, and she covered the Adolf Eichmann uh, trial in, uh, I believe, in 1961. Uh, there's actually a, a lengthy article that appeared in the New York Times less than a month ago about about her life. And what was controversial about the film is that, to a certain extent, she became an apologist for uh, for Eichmann. Uh, so that you know, we always try to have at least one or two controversial films. We've had ones in the past. This is the one this year that we think is a little controversial. So, how is the uh, how has been the post screening di- uh, discussions at the at the controver- the, the annual controversial films? Do we do we show it or don't we show it? Uh, but uh, the ones that we've had in the past have have gone over well. Um, David, do you remember what we had last year? That was there was one in particular I can't remember right off without seeing the 
But at least, at least a lively discussion afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've had really good conversations. Well, we had Trembling Before God. Trembling Before God, yes. Which was the the story of uh, gay relations among the ultra-Orthodox. And that certainly was controversial. And we had a a discussion group uh, at Christian Theological Seminary after the film. uh, We had a, a priest, a rabbi, and a minister discussing how each of the separate religions uh, deals with uh, with homosexuality. So that that was definitely a controversial film. See, ladies and gentlemen, you can have lively discussions uh, even, even at film festivals. Absolutely. And th- this is an opportunity, too, I think it's important for us to think about, that although this is the Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival, this is a great learning opportunity for people of all faiths and traditions. I am not of the Jewish tradition. But this has given me a great chance to really learn some of the intricacies of the tradition, the history. You know, for example, when we uh, we viewed the Broadway musical, which we were talking about and which has already been played, there was a tremendous amount of history about music and the, the New York tradition and how this grew up that I, as a Christian person, had no clue. Mm-hmm. And it was a great eye-opener for me. And uh, we saw the same thing with some of the movies last year. And I'm, I'm really excited to see the spirit of Hannah Arendt for that same kind of reason, because you don't normally think about these kind of things as a real eye-opener. And then as we get into some of the other movies that deal with the current issues in the Mideast, you go, wow, I hadn't thought about that particular angle. Exactly, the power the power of cinema there. And that's happening uh, Tuesday night at, <coughs> Landmarks, at Landmark Theaters. Thursday at Landmark Theaters, you have God's Slave. And this is one you'll just literally eat up. <laughs> yeah, but you missed Dully Man. Oh, oh, wait a minute. No, oh, no, sorry. Not, not the way it's printed out. No, no, that's right. So, um, anyway. No, you missed Deli Man because I did. That's... the printer was all goofy. Okay, so, see, I'm I'm not entirely. Anyway, uh, but, yeah, Wednesday night at Landmark is Deli Man, which I, I got to see last year and enjoyed thoroughly. And, actually, a little backstory. I actually got in touch with somebody involved with the film because there was there was a moment that irked me. And there's a, it's a shot of the map of the United States. And it had you know all of the little dots for wh- where there were delicatessens in the United States in the 1950s. Well, as I, And, of course, as, as the decades go get closer and closer, the dots start to drift away. But I also noticed that there was not a dot in the center of Indiana. And I kind of took umbrage with that, sent them a note, and, and I got an, at least got a Twitter acknowledgement going, yeah, we, we kind of dropped the ball on that one. So... Score one for Shapiro's. Well, yeah. Uh, Shapiro's has only been in business since 1905. Right. My dad first went there in 1920, and I first went there in 1961. So I can assure you it's been more or less at the same location for so a long time. S- the graphics department got a uh, – I think they got a, a saber rattling from, right. uh, from us here. Well, th- this film is about Ziggy, uh, who is a, um, uh, a delicatessen owner. And we're bringing it to a local level because we did a short film of Brian Shapiro, which we're going to be calling Indies Deli Man. Right. We're going to show that before. And at the same time, we're going to have a tasting of some Jewish delicacies before where people can take samples. And if they wish to vote on which of the the four dishes they like the best, uh, David, what, why don't you tell them about there. What, the, you know, what the four are? What's the menu? The menu. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> home, all right. The, the menu includes humantashen, which is a, a pastry that is typically associated with, with Purim, uh, a kasha salad, which is um, a Central and Eastern European salad using kasha, which is buckwheat, 
turn into a salad. It's very typically seen in York and, and, in, and in Europe. Um, kugel, which uh, is uh, it's noodle kugel, basically, mm-hmm. and there's a fourth dish, which I escapes me for the uh, moment. We'll call it TBA. Yeah, to be announced, but there's four, actually. And so, uh, and TBA is lovely this time of year. So. TBA is wonderful, yes. It's a good season for it. Yes. Exactly. And so it's it's going to be a fun evening. It's it's light. It's uh, comedic in a sense, and with the uh, quite knowledgeable uh, uh, Brian has some very interesting things to say. <clears throat> like one of the questions that he was asked, I don't know if it's on this film, was how do you compare Shapiro's delicatessen to New York delicatessens? And the answer was, <laughs> we are far better. Oh it's yes, a, it's, it's on the on the film, and right. that may be our kicker line for the show. <laughs> right, and so the uh, the follow up question was. And why is that? And his answer made some sense to me. He said, well, take corned beef as an example. New York corned beef is over-pickled, whereas we try not to use as much pickling so that the flavors uh, come through. So it, it's, it's a very fun. The whole thing was 30 minutes, and we've had to reduce it to about seven or eight. So it's, for, for, for you concert fans, it's the opening act, basically. It is the, the opening yeah. act. It's a warm-up act. It's warm-up. That's well, it's, nice. actually, it's actually the entree act because the opening act is going to be the food. That's uh, right. That's true. So you yeah. have a three, three-tier event. Yes, we do. And, and Deli Man, is, is, is like, folks, it's a, it's a fun documentary which covers the history of delicatessens in the United States. Mm-hmm. They, they go to different places you don't expect. They, 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 they go to California. They go to Texas. There's, there's a wonderful scene of a, of a deli owner, and, and they talk about how the deli is the life. And, and there's, a, there's a scene where a gentleman is going to an acupuncture uh, appointment, and his phone rings, and he picks it up. I've had acupuncture done. I don't want to be bothered with anything when uh, you know if i'm having an appointment like anyway it it is a fun thing and yes it will it will make you hungry and you will uh, you will want to eat afterwards but that's a, that is a lot of fun okay now because of the print we 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 scream at the printer now we have god's slave thursday night at landmark theaters god's slave is a very serious film it is a film uh where uh some terrorists uh blew up a synagogue in argentina quite some time ago and uh, it's not controversial from that standpoint, but it's very timely because of what's going on today, uh, what happened in Brussels, what happened in Paris. What people do in the name of God, Yes, according to them. And um, uh, Pierre Atlas from Marion Univer- uh, University will be speaking first about international terrorism. And uh, you know, as a total aside, I just came back from a lecture by a professor from Harvard on uh, – he was Islamic – grew up in Saudi Arabia, about the future of international terrorism. And uh, what Pierre will say, I think, will make a lot of sense in, that, in the same way. So I, I encourage you to see that film. Uh, and again, to get your tickets, you go to our website, Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival.com, and you can buy whatever film uh, tickets you need. And then we jump to next Saturday with uh, Nikki's family at the Indiana History Center. I think it is uh, Sunday, isn't it, rather than Saturday? No, it's Saturday, the, Saturday, the, no, it's Saturday the afternoon. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, Nikki's family, uh, David, why don't you tell them about Nikki's family? It's Nikki, Nikki Winton. Oh, it's a, a, a really fun movie in a sense of it's very revealing, but it's also gripping. Fun in a sense you learn a lot from it. Uh, it's about uh, Sir Nicholas Winton, who personally and by his own initiative saved the lives of 669 children from Nazi-occupied Czechoslovakia. And there are a lot of stories like that. And so, again, uh, not of one of the Jewish tradition, you go, 
I didn't know that. And there's such an, a, a movie that go, that's amazing. Yeah, let me let me add to what David just said. Uh, the one that everyone knows about is, is Schindler's, Schindler's List. Correct. Um, and I've been to his factory in, in Poland. Um, and, and this Nicholas Winton just died last year at age 106. But one that very few people uh, know about, I was in uh, Latvia uh, last year and went where it was told, go to the Japanese consulate in, in Riga. And we went there, and I discovered that the the Japanese consulate during the war, who had lived in China and met many Jews over there, wrote visas to save thousands of Jews to get them out of uh, Latvia. And I bought all kinds of literature about this guy ever since, and it's, uh, it's a very interesting piece of history. We call them righteous Gentiles. The guy from Japan wasn't a Gentile, but it, it serves the same purpose. And there are many, many things that are discovered. Uh, like in France, we've discovered priests and, and nuns that saved lots of people in France during the Holocaust and in, in Germany. Um, it's, uh, it's quite an amazing history. Is, and, the, and the thing about it is the searching of these stories, uh, whether it's documentary. You know, the great thing about documentaries, everybody has a story to tell. Um, and and this, at times, a documentary film is less expensive than, say, a feature film. So the right. fact that, that these stories are able to be shared, able to be told, um, still makes it very important. It's almost 70 years. So. And the dramatic hook on Nikki's family is you know, it's one thing to be talking about people who have done wonderful things, saving people such as these 700 children. But the really dramatic hook, the interesting thing on this movie is for nearly 50 years, nobody knew what uh, Sir Winton did. Uh, it was just one of those things that he kept to himself. And then all of a sudden, his family figured it out. And then in 1988, BBC did a, a piece on it. And that sort of began this emerging thing of this gentleman did something that he didn't talk about. He do wasn't trying to get a claim for it. He did it to save people in di dire straits. And that's sort of the, the hook to all this saying, this gentleman did something. And... Nobody knew about it, and now we do. And it's going to be here. And here. And, and yeah, Jen, once again, gentlemen, where can people go for tickets and more information? You can get tickets. You can get information. You go to our website at IndianapolisJewishFilmFestival.com. You have all the information, and by clicking on the particular movie you want, it will take you automatically to the Buy Here page. And you can take a look at all the, the movies available to you and just click down. We'll take your... Uh, information and a secured website and make sure that you get that and then you can print off the ticket and bring it with you that evening. Do you guys get to watch anything for fun? Besides these? Sure. What have you watched recently? <laughs> recently I haven't seen um, many for fun. <clears throat> I, I did go to a couple and it escaped me in Sarasota. Sarasota has a very good vibrant uh, theater called the, the Burns Court Theater, mm -hmm. which shows small small uh, films. Uh, Doris was one. Uh, trying to think of what else we saw down there. If you click off the current ones that are around, I, I would acknowledge whether I saw it or not, but I don't remember right. And I'll give you the I can give you the whole storyline, but I forget. That's okay. Because, but I think also that when you're, I, I always ask festival folks uh, is sometimes you need to see something just to cleanse your palate. Um, sometimes you might hit a streak of films, whether it's tone, length how you're feeling. Sometimes you just need a, a, a cinematic cleansing. Yeah. So, that, so that's I, I was curious about that. That's absolutely true. Uh, you know, I have been known to go to really goofy, crazy, fun, stupid movies. 
as a palate cleanser. But uh, you asked the most recent film we've seen, and uh, Marilyn and I went to see uh, Papa, uh, the story of uh, Papa Hemingway in Havana, oh, pre-Castro. Right. Yep, yep. And it was a fascinating piece, and it was a semi-documentary. And the, 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 the touching part on that was that you know everybody knows that, uh, in many ways, Hemingway was tormented. But this really goes through his torment in Havana because he was in a major writer's block, um, part of it was, and one of the very dramatic scenes was his, his wife at that time had never told him that she loved him. And so in this almost a um, uh, Virginia Woolf kind of scene, she just says, I love you. And all of a sudden he breaks into tears and says, nobody's ever told me that before. And the great dramatic hook on this was they're in this one room. He goes off into another room. The door closes, and all of a sudden you hear that on the typewriter. And you have nothing before that. But it also talks about his relationship with J. Edgar Hoover mm-hmm. and his uh, relationship with uh, Fidel, who was just coming onto the scene at that time. And uh, it was uh, amazing. Now, the thing that really got us involved was because through no specific big grand plan, we've been to at least four other Hemingway sites, including walking the movable feast track in Paris. We've been to Bimini. We've been to New Mexico. Uh, we've been to Upper Peninsula, not because we intended to, but says, while we're here, what the heck? Let's mm-hmm. go see what's going on. Sure. So it was nice, and that's that's our next trip, and we may have some plans for that next year, we hope. And that, that was also the first film shot, the uh, first American film shot in Cuba in yes. over 50 years. Yeah. And it, all the locations are actual. Uh, we have a, a, a family uh, member who is a cinematographer and knows the producers. In fact, he was one of the members of the team that put together the uh, – uh, Cuba Havana Film Fest in uh, New York <coughs> just a couple of months ago. And so he got to know some of the production crew for the movie. And when we said we went to see it, Javi wrote back to us and said, hey, you want to go? I said, we're there. Matt, I would, I would also add to that. Please. I would love to see a small theater open in this community um, like they have in Sarasota. In, in, in Sarasota, they, at Burns Court, they have three small theaters of 100 seats each that are strictly for festival-type films and foreign films and whatever, uh, whereas... Landmark is a slightly different situation. That's Correct. The only theater I happen to go to in this town, as it turns out, because of the type of film that they show. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to work on the funding for that. So long as we can have real butter and the and the bar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we can arrange that. We'll work on that. Yeah. Well, there may be some new options coming up on that too. So who knows? Good. Good. Well, gentlemen, I hope you guys get some rest after next week. Of course. Right. It starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Uh, Which actually, has already taken place. That's right. <laughs> it's the it power, of, the it's, power of radio. It's it, okay. it, it, it started yesterday. It started you know. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> time warp, time warp. That's all right. Uh, but this is a fascinating thing. As I said, even uh, for a non-Jewish person, it is a great educational experience uh, on so many different levels. And so I'm also for our, the Jewish community, it's a great way to reaffine that tradition and that culture. On that same point, I would notice I keep track of the ticket sales already, and they're quite substantial. I would say 40% are non-Jewish. There you go. People that I, you know, just don't know their names and, you know, they're... Film fans are film fans. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the case. And even if you don't have a particular tradition, if you are a film fan, these are great movies to see, just for the sake of seeing great cinema. David Shank and Bob Epstein from the Indianapolis Jewish Film Festival. You can go to IndianapolisJewishFilmFestival.com for more information. Okay, we now go to the video store. There's there's only two new titles because I don't think anybody wanted to compete with I think it is the biggest money making film of the year so far. Mm-hmm. It made it made more money than Batman versus Superman. Uh not really a surprise hit, but Deadpool. 
which we've seen with yes. our kids. Yes. Fun for the whole awkward. family. No, it really it really wasn't as awkward as I thought it was going to be. But my son's 22. And so. Emma's 14 and beyond her years. Yes, so. she's a wise, wise young woman. Um, I am hoping, hoping, because, yeah, this was a lot of fun. It, 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 you know, it is a standalone uh, superhero movie. You don't need to follow the Marvel Universe in order to get it. Um, but but I'm hoping that the DVD and Blu-ray, and I'm sure it will, will have a slew of goodies. I mean, something that mm-hmm. you could buy or or download or whatever, and you can go through an entire weekend with commentary tracks, extended scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there was numerous takes of Ryan doing Ryan type stuff. Yes. So. And my son, when he said, "Mom, you have to watch it," he wanted to do that for Mother's Day, and uh, wow. he said, "Mom, you get to see his bare." You bottom. do, yeah. There, and there is like that. that was the reason I wanted to see it, but it really wasn't. Now I would say, is, give me George. I would say, it, does, <laughs> Ryan, does Ryan come off the bench in your in your? <laughs> yeah, actually, he does. Yeah, um, I figure that not, personality, especially your 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 radio son, not a fan. Um, well, he's not perfect. I know. I but do I get will, disappointed in him from I, time to time. I will say, I think it utilizes Reynolds in a great way. Um, yes. You know, I I I I was not a fan of his earlier work. Yeah, I didn't like Van Wilder or Waiting. I'm too, I think I was too old for that. Mm-hmm. But but films like Buried, Adventureland, and especially this, it takes the stuff that I'm not crazy about the kind of frat boy d bag persona, and it's focused in the right direction with Deadpool, and it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So anyway, it is a lot of fun. It's not for everybody. No. And, and if you don't <laughs> think it's for you, and you don't want to be seen at the theater, you can rent it now. So and I would that. say don't see it with your kids. Um, unless if, you have a very strong, strong relationship with your kids. Yeah, there's a medley with the song Calendar Girl, which mm-hmm. we're not going to get into here, no. so there is that. Uh, the other film of note on DVD and Blu-ray this week um, is the Michael Moore documentary Where to Invade Next, where he goes from uh, various countries throughout the world to show off what they what what they have that America doesn't. Um, I, I, I'm shamelessly a Michael Moore fan, and not just because mm-hmm. of the fact that he's from my hometown. But at the very least, at the very least, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a film that makes you go and do research, whether you agree with him or disagree with him. Uh, you, you know, if you if you don't like him, you're going to find out what's wrong with living in Germany, Finland, and Italy, and other places. Then, then the film has done its job. Yeah. Um, but it, but it is entertaining to see what they do have and some of the characters that Moore gets to. Um, uh, Interview and the film did get an R rating because of a hot tub scene. No, it does not involve the, the the director of the film, but it is. But but just the fact that there is a moment like that and uh, it it got an R rating. And it, I mean, and I'm gonna, I'm not going to get into the rating debate on this week's show. That's for another time or another place. But the fact that he didn't want to take it out and uh, well, I, I'm hoping we have we have thicker skin in these days. Mm-hmm. But apparently. Apparently that's not the case. Although Michael Moore and Hot Tub are not two no, again, things I want in the same sentence, it's but, not I him, but I understand. But it's but there is yeah. you, you'll see it. So yes. all right, so a few old titles of note. Criterion has put out I think a kind of an uh, it's it is not the Humphrey Bogart film everybody thinks of right away, but I think it's one of his best films. The uh, the drama in a lonely place, mm-hmm. uh, where he plays a screenwriter, a very cynical screenwriter that is a murder suspect, also starring the uh, the visually stunning Gloria Graham. Uh, one of his later career i think this was the one he this was the film he did before the african queen mm-hmm. um but it's a really solid performance from him as uh as as everyone's favorite tough guy and in this case tough guy writer um from the 1970s i remember seeing this a lot and it was it was on cable quite a bit 
and and actually Abdul Kim Shabazz and I were talking about this earlier uh, a couple weeks back. The little girl who lives down the lane. Oh with yeah. Jodie Foster and Martin Sheen, very young Martin Sheen, even mm-hmm. younger Jodie Foster. Oh yeah. And it was, you know, this was the counter counteract to the Disney films that she was also doing. This was, I, I think, the film she did after Taxi Driver. And it's a weird friendship between a young girl and a smarmy drifter played by a young Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. So that's out on Blu-ray if you need that. From 1972, the thriller You'll Like My Mother, starring Patty Duke and playing a, psycho- a psychotic Richard Thomas. Wow. A year after The Waltons came out. And I remember, I, I, speaking of, uh, Abdul and I got to interview Richard Thomas many moons ago, and I brought this title up to him, and he just laughed. Oh. But I, <laughs> Because I remember, I think it was, you know, because Thomas was still establishing himself, and he'd already, uh-huh. you know, the, the Waltons had already started, and Patty Duke was trying to come up with a grown-up role because mm-hmm. of... of after the Patty Duke show. Well, and Valley and of the Val- Dolls. Valley of the Dolls, which, yeah. Which, uh, by the way, you should have several, co- you should have three ounces of bourbon and watch Valley <laughs> of the Dolls. That's just fun. Uh, and speaking of Patty Duke show, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, anyway, that's out there as well on Blu-ray. And then the original Father of the Bride. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Is it really? I do love Spencer that Spencer Tracy, yes. Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know what, Steve Martin, have a seat. Just yes. watch Spencer Tracy. So. Yes, exactly. Okay, that is out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. All right, we have time for Dead People We Like because we never have time for Dead People We Don't Like. No, we don't. And um, this is one I apologize. I am so late in getting into this because I just forgot it. But um, actress Ann Jackson passed away on April 12th at the age of 90. Um, and she was one of those that kind of bounced back from stage, screen, and television. Um, looking back at some of this, some of the stuff that she's probably best known, if you saw The Shining, she was the doctor that has the one scene with Shelley Duvall. Yes. So, which meant she worked on the film for five months. Um, <laughs> she It's a Kubrick joke. Uh, she also appeared in films like Folks with Tom Selleck, Funny About Love, um, Sam's Son. Uh, I have a film version of The Bell Jar, the Sylvia Plath novel, which is god-awful bad. She's fine in it. <laughs> but the thing that she's also known for was she was married to actor Eli Wallach. Oh, wow. For 66 years years. Wow. So she also appeared in films like uh, Golda, the one with Ingrid Bergman, mm-hmm. and uh, American Wife back in 1968. But there's there's a couple of long marriages we'll get to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not just for Paul and Joanna anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we found out on May 8th, the death of actor William Shallert, best known as the dad from the Patty Duke show. Oh, yeah. Papa, that guy. So, But I mean, uh, I printed out his career, 21 pages on IMDb. Wow, um, that's crazy. Films like, yeah, and he had, you know, would always come off the bench and either play dad or authoritative figures. Um, of course, films like Inner Space. Emma saw him. He was uh, the guy with the several with several children in the Elvis Presley vehicle Speedway from 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he had a cameo in Matinee, the John Goodman film. Lots of TV. House he played the dean in House Party 2. <laughs> um, yeah, he was in Bring Me the Head of Dobie Gillis. Uh, also uncredited in films like Mighty Joe Young, uh, Riot and Cell Block 11, Them, uh, Down a, Down to Dark, Three Dark Streets, uh, Captive Women. Yeah, I own that. Don't judge. Um <laughs> Anyway, just just a lot of work on his part, and uh, Colossus, the Forbidden Project, the Computer wore tennis shoes. 
where he played a professor in that mm-hmm. Sam Whiskey, the Burt Reynolds Western with mm-hmm. him and Angie Dickinson. Um, Charlie Varick, the really cool. That was that period in the seventies where um, where Walter Matthau was considered an action star. <laughs> that just blows my the mind. The Laughing Policeman, Charlie Varick, Taking of the Pelham One Two Three, um, all pretty good. But yeah, this, this was a guy again constantly working. You've seen him, whether you know his name or not. He was the judge and the jerk. He also appeared as a professor in Hangar Eighteen. Yeah, those films. But uh, he was also a member of the Screen Actors. He was a Screen Actors Guild president from 1979 to 1981 and was married to actress Leah Wagner for 66 years. Wow. That just doesn't happen in Hollywood now. No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Certainly certainly did at some point. So there is that. But yeah, salute, William. And it's funny. I I enjoyed watching the Patty Duke show as a kid. And this was before we, we knew what was up with Patty growing up mm-hmm. in real life. Yes. Um, I think she was like my one realistic crush to go uh, the opposite of Sophia Loren and mm-hmm. Margaret and Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. Wait, you have to have... Now, now, wait a minute. You, you did bring up Angie Dickinson a few minutes ago. Yeah. So how do you feel about her? Oh, I've never I'm really... i for that. I figured that <laughs> yeah, she kind her. of is in that genre. Of... Uh, she's, you know what? She's my favorite avocado spokeswoman. Oh, because there's a lot of those. <laughs> and you know the pictures. You know the yes, ones I'm I talking do. about. I know. I yeah, because what? A, a police woman was on when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here at Film Sociology, I never had a latency period. <laughs> that explains a lot, doesn't it? It, it certainly does. Girl, I knew girls were not icky. I knew women were definitely not icky. Uh-huh. So, no cootie spray for you. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I, this, the famous story was I told my mother when I was 10 I wanted to date Raquel Welch. Well, at least you always have set your goals very, very high. high. <laughs> I love you, Mrs. Sosi. Um, patient, Mrs. Sosi. Very patient, Mrs. Sosi. Yeah, but I, but I, uh, and, uh, you know, the whole thing with Pam Greer, because mm-hmm. Kobe and I, uh, that was one of our mutual admiration societies, was here was a woman that was not uh, the wife or the girl, well, at times played the girlfriend, but she was not, she was not waiting to be rescued. She was not wringing her hands, waiting for her husband to get home. She whooped tail and took names. I mm-hmm. went, I want to hang out with her. Yeah. So because, <laughs> exactly. you know, that's why I in real life, I want my all female security crew, because why would I want an entourage of guys? Exactly. Nobody you want three ounces of bourbon and Pam Greer. <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs> OK, so for our, we sometimes we explain our inside jokes. We, we say three ounces of bourbon. Go to YouTube and type in how to make an old fashioned or even better, how not to make an old fashioned. <laughs> You, it's a Mahalo video. You see a very cute blonde girl named Janae, and I'll just leave it at that. Yes, so. it's worth it's worth a few minutes. It's worth to a watch. couple minutes of your time. You will not and, regret it, and you'll feel better about your pouring skills. So. Yes. All right, Joan. We just oh gosh, it shows wrapping up. So, oh ladies and gentlemen, we have some words to live by. Silent breed is people. Zardoz has spoken. Joan Heinberg. Appreciate you hanging out. Thank you, Mr. Sosi. She'll be here a lot more, folks, I assure you. So, ladies and gentlemen, go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan.
This is pretty much the worst video ever made. That's not terrible. Donnie, you're out of your element. No. That's not what I said.